This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by Katrina Burke Coaching, helping caring professionals create a life of balance and flow. Katrina has a range of programs available for teachers and school leaders. So for more information, go to katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds-Keen. Enjoy the podcast. everyone. Welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 3, and I have just got back from a lovely little midterm holiday to New Zealand for a friend's wedding, and I had the chance to listen to a bunch of podcasts while I was there and get lots of new ideas, and, and it was very refreshing, but I'm glad to be home and back into the swing of things. So speaking of listening to podcasts, I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast because I am really thrilled to be here doing the third season and it just wouldn't have happened without the support and encouragement that I've received from all of you and I really love getting feedback. Today's uh, interview is with uh, a teacher named Katie who actually reached out and gave me her feedback about the podcast at the end of last year and we just had an ongoing dialogue from there. So I would really love to hear from you if you're listening and if you want to give some more support, if you're enjoying the podcast, um, just a reminder that you can become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers. So there's a range of bonuses for different patron levels there, including some discounted coaching sessions with me. But even if you just donate a couple of dollars a month, it really helps me keep the podcast going and it shows me that you support the show and you want it to continue. But as I said, if making a donation isn't your thing, then do let me know your feedback. Send me a photo of where you're listening to the show. For example, maybe you're in your local park while you're jogging or, you know, send me a picture of your files, uh, piles of laundry that you've folded while listening. I, I honestly would like to see it. Obviously, don't take a photo while you're driving if you listen in the car. But please do send me a photo and tag me on Instagram at selfcareforteachers or you can email it to me, ellen at selfcareforteachers.com.au because I would love to hear from you. Um, another quick announcement before we get into this interview is that I am running a free webinar about burnout prevention on the 5th of April. It's called Preventing Burnout, The Missing Link, and it will be at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on the 5th of April, which is school holidays for Queensland and some other states, but I know that it's not school holidays. It'll be the end of term one for about half of the Australian states. So you can sign up at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar. If you don't know what a webinar is, it's like an online class, uh, like a little mini workshop online, basically. So that's happening on the 5th of April. Uh, and another announcement, as you know by now, I think if you've been listening for a while and following me on social media, you know I'm writing a book about teacher self-care. And I really want to include as many teacher stories as possible. I have the ones from the podcasts, obviously, the teacher stories that I've shared here. But I'm also looking for more, and I especially want to hear the stories that maybe you don't want to share on a podcast in a public forum. 
uh, because for whatever reason, you don't want to share them publicly, but I, I want to hear them and I can include them anonymously in the book. So we can have a confidential conversation, uh, about the challenges that you've experienced, the, um, the wellbeing practices that perhaps your school is implementing and also the, the self-care practices that you're implementing or your experiences of burnout. I would really like to hear them. So the end of April is the cutoff for that because I obviously need to get started on the editing process with the book by then. So if you would like to have uh, your story in the book, if you want to share your story, please book some time with me in your school holidays to chat about that because time is running out. I, I do need to have a deadline for that. And of course, if you want to be in the podcast as well, if you do have a, a well-being story to share, please let me know as well. Links for both of those for booking a book interview um, or to be on the podcast, um, That both of those links will be in the show notes at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. Uh, and you can also book a discovery call with me there to see if we're a good fit for either life or well-being coaching or accountability coaching. But in particular, I just want to remind you about the book research interviews because end of April is the cutoff for that. So if it's something you've thought about, if you've heard me say it before and you've just never clicked through on that link or you, you know, you're listening while you're driving and you forget when you get to school, please, um, please do remind yourself to book a time with me on your school holidays so that you don't miss that opportunity because I really want to hear from you. And the more stories that I can include, the better. Okay, so this week's interview, as I said, Katie reached out to me at the end of last year after having uh, listened to the podcast, and we have had some wonderful conversations since. Katie, so Katie is an early childhood and primary school teacher, and she has had some uh, some health challenges that I think are very, very relevant to share on this podcast. It's I, I don't want to steal her thunder, but we talk about something that is a really big occupational hazard for teachers. We're not talking about burnout, something else that we all need to be aware of every single, every single day in the classroom. So, uh, she tells us about that. And we also talk about her experience of moving to a new place, uh, for, you know, a school transfer and the impact that that had on her personal and professional wellbeing, you know, ha- having, uplifted her whole life and then moving to a new place with no support networks and how, how that impacts on your life. So it was a really uh, great conversation with Katie and she shares some wonderful, wonderful well-being tips. And I think the most interesting part of her story is how actually teaching well-being practices to the students in her class is what transformed Katie's personal well-being. So I also uh, will let you know as well that Katie, and she mentions this at the, at the end, but when we recorded it, she didn't have any links to share. So Katie has a and is just starting up a little uh, coaching business and an online platform to share well-being um, tips and strategies for students. And so she wants to support children in their home lives and the process of doing homework, how to better make friends, you know, all of that, how to be confident. And I think that you should follow her because whether or not you're a parent yourself, if you're teaching little people, these uh, the, the information that she will share, I think, will be really relevant to you. So you can find her at seemeknowmeteachme.com or on facebook.com forward slash seemeknowmeteachme. And the links for that, again, will be in the show notes for this episode at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. All right. Enjoy the interview. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, Katie. Thanks for coming on the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, let's dive right in. Can you tell me a little bit about your background, your experience teaching, the context you've taught in, um, and yeah, your, your teaching history? So I'm a primary school teacher currently, and I'm in my ninth year of classroom teaching. My background is pretty much that at the moment I'm in a like a country sort of environment because I started in Brisbane mm-hmm. and then was given my required transfer. So I've moved to a smaller location now and I've been here for four years. Yep. I was only supposed to be here for three. So this I'm going into my fifth year now. I've decided to stay on a little bit. So it's a bit tricky for me because at the moment my substantive position is back in Brisbane. So oh. I'm the RP doing supply and contract work and getting to see lots of other different environments in the same region. So it's yeah, it's an interesting situation. So much yeah. so that I didn't get paid initially because I don't think anyone knows where I am. Oh, but, gosh. Yeah. So I've worked predominantly in early years and I started before I went through and did my degree. I worked in preschools and early childhood settings, so very much based in the early years. Yeah, and you've done a lot of, um, like, so it's mainly with the state system, right, not the Catholic or the independent? Yes, I've been with the state system. Yeah, excellent. Cool. So let's talk health and wellbeing. Um, Tell me about the the health and wellbeing challenges you've experienced, yeah, in in your teaching career but even before that in, in your general life. Well, pretty much if I start back on my first year teaching, straight away I develop vocal nodules So, and at the time I didn't know that's what was happening, but my voice was, it was feeling a different kind of sore, you know, not a sore throat, I'm getting sick, but just a constriction almost. And I found out after that first year, which I was in quite a challenging school. So I went from my internship that was in a school where behavior management wasn't as a key focus and went to a school where behavior management was all we did. Yeah. Obviously I use my voice a lot and I had no idea, I think in hindsight I had sort of the predisposition to develop and have a delicate sort of voice. But mm. when you go to uni, they don't talk about vocal health. So no, don't. that was my straightaway. So after a little while figuring out that that was the case, you know, the tests and all that sort of stuff, I saw a speech pathologist and went through that. And now I teach with a microphone with a little headset and a little, yeah, microphone that the children think is very unique. <laughs> <laughs> but very important. Yeah, and that was just from the get-go, straight up. That just was something I never preempted would be a thing and straight away it affects my whole life because even now at the end of a school day and we had um parent information session after school, so my voice, I, it just, I feel it. It's, yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for coming on and using your voice again on the podcast. Oh, the problem is my personality. I <laughs> I just can't stop using my voice, so I'm not the best candidate for this. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it's interesting you mention it because I actually have somebody hopefully lined up to come on the podcast later in the season to talk about vocal health because it is it is an occupational hazard and it's not something that we think about. I was a music teacher, so I at least have some um, – I was never a, a singing – singing is not my primary instrument, but I have some understanding of how to use my voice properly. But um, it is an occupational hazard, so – um, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, and it really, from my experience, it's not spoken about in your training. And so it's just it doesn't come into your thoughts. 
even just from simply making sure, as we know for our general health anyway, water's important. But as a teacher, you know, we probably don't drink as much as we should because we think, oh, well, we can't go to the bathroom when we need to, all that sort of thing. That constant sipping on water, the strategies that you need to input, so whether it's little cue cards, I mean, it's great for me working in early years, or Mm. trying to communicate more using technology when you don't have to speak. Yeah. Those little things that if you know beforehand, you can put into place from day one so that you're not getting that strain because once you've got it, it's really hard to. That's it. There's no going back, is yeah. there? Yeah, because we don't stop talking. No, no, it's it's part of the job. Yeah, that's right. Mm, so that was probably, would you say that's your number one health challenge that you've had being a teacher? I developed that and it's still here today. So even if at the moment I'm struggling beginning of the year, you know, and lots of people who don't, have a recognized vocal health issue then they would still probably feel you've had holidays and you come back and you're using your voice in that unique way that teachers do mm. and you get a bit of strain but generally I'm fine but I do have to use the microphone to stay fine yes so that'd be my number one I notice it you know I can't even go out to noisy places in my personal life because it it hurts to talk over voice and volume yeah. but yeah probably my second would be it would have been four years after my fourth year teaching I then got transferred so that was probably something for my well-being in terms of teaching so much more than the classroom and when that happens to you which it will happen to a lot Mm. of early career teachers is that all of a sudden your world changes and it's not just the classroom world it's not just the school environment I left and moved to a small town that I'd never even heard of and without a soul I was um, single so I just packed up and left and I was willing, but also it's not your initial decision too, or you don't have control over it. So, yeah, to start a new life by yourself, that was huge for me and my and my personal well-being, irregardless of the classroom that I found myself in. Because mm. mm. you're moving away from your support networks, and I know a lot of a, a lot of early career teachers, that happens in their first position. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I certainly know for my sister that was the case. She, Her very first teaching appointment was that situation. But w- at whatever stage of your career that that happens, as you say, that's not just changing schools and changing classrooms. That's your whole life is affected. Yeah, that's right. And there's so many things that you need to just think about or be aware of in order to happily transition. And, I mean, there's not going to be happiness the whole time. Mm-hmm. But just to have a bit of an understanding, you know, you go to the – information sessions they sort of put on in the regions and it's just a bit of a overview and it's one person that might jump up at their story every single person's story is different and everyone's coming from a different internal background you know like of how they can cope and Mm. how resilient they are and that sort of thing yeah that's right the good thing though I mean we work in these beautiful environments where you work you walk in and you've almost got a network of friends straight away. Absolutely. Whereas my partner, he came up and his business was not, you know, he struggled to make those friendships or those connections in a work environment. Whereas there's teachers that are introverted, extroverted, but we're all used to talking to people. Yeah. So you kind of just do what you do. And you have colleagues, uh, you know, because my husband certainly has had that experience too where other than his clients that he's working with all day every day he doesn't have any colleagues he works by himself yeah. <laughs> um so that can if you're moving for that situation that could be quite lonely whereas in a school uh, unless you're in a really really tiny school with maybe one or two teachers you usually have as you say a ready-made ready-made network 
That's right. Yep. And mm. people, we know how each other feels. Mm. So I just started at a new school this term and I'm on a contract for a term and the support is phenomenal, you know, because we all have things going on in our personal lives, but you hit the classroom floor and it's, how are you today? Good, thanks, regardless yeah. of how you're feeling. Mm. And so when a group of people can just, I'm very easy to read with my facial expressions and things, but when people can read that or when they can just sneak into your room in the morning and put a master copy of something that they're doing. If you're new to the school, oh, it's invaluable. I, I've said thank you 50 times a day this <laughs> couple of weeks because I've never worked in a school environment where it's like that. So it's oh, that's really good. Be lucky. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes sharing is not the norm, even though as a teaching profession that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Well, it's not always the culture of every school and it's also not always um, – if everybody's feeling so overwhelmed, like it does take a little bit of extra effort to go and share. And yeah. sometimes if you're only just keeping your head above the water, that's not your first thought. But then if everybody's in that situation, you know, that little bit goes a long way. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, and I know that you have a really strong uh, well-being focus with the students. That's really your special interest area, I suppose, with, with the students in your classes. Definitely. What does well-being mean to you, like as a person? Well, I've got an interesting story in that my well-being came from starting to teach it to the children because I noticed that year after year, especially I did, I've done a lot of my time in prep, and year after year I would notice that the children were coming in not as resilient as they were the year before, not as able to organise themselves, not as able to feel confident with their abilities and so to me, my whole career has been, that's been my focus, relationship building and explicitly teaching all the areas of well-being to children. And it wasn't until I'm sitting down in class, either talking through what it's like to be confident or talking through how to just stop, take a breath, think, be grateful for where you are, et cetera, that I went, hang on, what about me? I should yeah. be doing this. Even though I've got such a broad understanding because I teach it and it's my passion, we're still so busy mm. that we're last, you know. So I often think, you know that saying everyone says, treat others as you'd like to be treated? Yes. I think for a teacher. We're going to swap it. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Swap it around because it wasn't until obviously all my teaching career and even in my personal life, it's all about others mm. and trying to make them the best they can be. But I can't do that if I'm not the best I can be. Absolutely. So, yeah, I sort of think of it that way now. And it sort of came about that I teach all the children in my class all of these core things and now I do it for myself as well. Mm. Do you think there's something in also teaching it that means that you maybe role model it more? I mean, yes, there's the element of sometimes we teach what we need to learn. Certainly that's what I'm doing with this whole podcast thing, right? <laughs> but there's also that element of like once you become the role model of something, it's almost sometimes easier to, I've heard, I'm, I'm not a parent yet, but I've heard parents talk about making, you know, healthy lifestyle choices, quitting smoking, eating more vegetables, that sort of thing, exercising once they've thought, gosh, if, if my kids saw me doing this, Mm. how can I tell them not to smoke if I'm still smoking so I'll give up for them like it's almost easier to prioritize it when we're thinking about how we're role modeling it for others do you do you experience that at all oh definitely because it's 
right there. I don't have to think about it now. So whereas before you have to sort of, you know, write yourself a list, make sure you stop and smell the flowers today, (laughs) you know, but now it's happening for me all the time. So if I said to people, if you're struggling to get some information from your children in the afternoon about how their day was, Mm. instead of just saying, how was your day? Or what'd you do today? And they say good or nothing. Yeah. Stop and think, okay, what were your best bits of today? What were your challenges of today? I go home and I do that with my partner. Yeah. And we need to do that to keep the sanity going and to remember that we're more than, we've got our own personality as well as the personality that we share in our classrooms. Mm. And we have to care for that as well. I, I definitely think I don't have to think about it as much now because I'm explicitly, so if we stop and we we go through a mindfulness practice in the classroom, I do it too. Yeah. Yeah. So I use resources like the Smiling Mind or Go Noodle and things like that because then someone else is guiding it so that I can role model, participate and get those moments for myself as well. Mm. I actually really like that as a tip of using resources that's like, as you said, somebody else is guiding it. So you don't actually have to be I mean, obviously you're still managing the classroom, but you can yeah. actually participate in the activity as well because you're not running the activity. And so often as in the classroom, we're running the activity. So often in our personal lives as well, I'm not sure if you find this, but I've certainly met a lot of teachers who are also the organiser in a lot of events that they're involved in, you know, sporting groups, et cetera, et cetera, community activities, because we're good at that. But actually to allow yourself to just be a participant, it's actually a really good thing. Yeah, and, it, you know, it just it calms the children even if you're, you know, and this doesn't happen much because I'm in a classroom, I know, but if you're doing an art activity, sometimes I look and go, oh, I wish I could sit down and do some drawing. But if you can, every now and then, they sort of look at you and go, whoa, and you're modelling the types of behaviour that they should be doing. So if you, it's a quiet activity or if it's sitting in seat activity, and, you know, it might just be a five-minute thing in your day because obviously we're there to teach. But showing and doing is part of teaching. So (laughs) win-win. Yeah, that's right. So that's the well-being side of things. What about self-care? I mean, they're related, but what does self-care mean to you? What does it look like in your life? Well, to me, it all sort of started when I'm really interested in doing all of those personality quizzes and (laughs) tests and all those sorts of things. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you hear about this well-being and this self-care and there's a lot of words that go around which I totally agree with, like mindfulness and gratitude and all of that stuff. But because I'm a go, go, go person, I'm, I stop but I stop in my own way and I discovered how to do that by doing the personality test because I thought, hang on a minute, I need to validate who I am and in a big company like we're in, it's hard to remain you because there's a lot of things that we all have to do. We all have to do them in a certain way. And as just as much as it's like that with our lessons, I feel like it's like that with our own choices of how we care for ourselves. So to me, I walk out in nature. You know, I love listening to the sounds of birds and things. So instead of stopping and doing a mindfulness activity all the time, I take it while I'm doing things. So even while I'm on playground duty, obviously we're there to supervise, and but I just notice the grass and I notice the nature around me and I take in a few breaths because it's not often we get out of our classrooms. I just try and keep it as part of my busyness, I guess. I know that sounds strange, but... No, no, I get it. You're integrating, integrating it into your life 
so that it it doesn't then become yet another thing on the to-do list. Yeah, like how big is your pile, you know? Like we just, as teachers, keep adding things but rarely do we take them away. And, you know, would the next day really fall in a heap if that really amazing pretty Pinterest thing didn't get done? I'm all for Pinterest (laughs) and pretty. But, yeah, sometimes it's just too much. And so I kind of look at that self-care as knowing who you are really well and how you are as a person at home but also how you work in a team. You know, I could say that I'm the first one to use emotion when I'm interacting with people. And if there's someone, like we just did a thing at work with which colour are you, green, red, blue, all that sort of stuff. And I'm the one that uses my emotion. So if I'm in a stressful situation, I might feel like someone's personally attacking me or something. But because as a whole school we've worked through that, we know that that's not the case because we know, oh, this person, I don't know the colours, but, you know, is blue. And I'm red, hence why we attack things in a different way. So if you know all of that, you're caring for your responses and you're mindful of others and that helps you, I don't know, stay strong and keep on going. Yeah. And it's, well, I always say that it's differentiated self-care, right? We have to differentiate for the students in our classroom because they all have different needs. And we've got and we've got to do the same for ourselves. And exactly as you said, like in a big school system, there's just some things that we just have to do and we just have to do it the way we have to do it. But there are lots of things that we can tweak or, you know, make choices about that are based on what works best for us, our personalities, you know, and it may not be the same as the person in the staff room next to us. Yeah, and I think if we're lucky enough to work in an environment where everybody is a team but also they can be an individual. I've worked in environments where my individualism was not celebrated at all and my passion just dropped lower and lower and lower and so I had to make this really brave step to sort of go okay something's got to change here because I don't want to lose the passion for this job but I want to be myself and I know that I've got worth in this regard just like other people have worth in different you know yeah in different, different areas skills and yeah it's it's hard. It's hard to break the mold. Mm, it is. <laughs> I'm definitely a outside of the box kind of girl, and it's hard to be in kind of like a box environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think important too because important to recognize that, and because then you know that that's what's going on. It's not that you're broken or the system's broken or the school the school culture is you know like wrong. It's just that okay, maybe we're different. And yeah, that's okay, right. But I know that that's what's going on it's not that I'm a mistake or the way I do things is wrong it's just different and we've just got to work out a way to to mend and merge the two yeah and once you can truly understand where you're coming from or what your preferences are then you know I worked in a school where I was the only extroverted staff member everybody else was introverted Mm. so you know they all worked independently whereas I'm like come on people let's have a chat (laughs) but I know once I sort of understood that it validated who I was and I thought, hang on, this is actually coming from somewhere. This is not a fault of mine. This is just part of me. Exactly. And it allows you to understand and have empathy for the others around you. Absolutely. And and also to manage your expectations of the people around you and of yourself because if you know that about yourself, like managing expectations, you know, hopefully will avoid disappointment but also avoid frustration with each other when when you're not expecting somebody to act in a way that's not yeah in nature um it's just really important yeah I definitely agree and my whole world has more clarity once now that I've gone down that road 
and I've done, you know, probably close to 20 different personality tests. And the more that I do, because every school at the moment are going through those types of team building things and getting to know their team, and I can actually go, oh, I'm going to be that one before I even do yeah. the test. Because you know and yourself. It, it feels so good to know yourself as well. It feels so good. And it just gives me the confidence what I teach the children. It gives me the resilience. It gives me the strategies to work with in order to keep all of that there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that self-awareness, um, I mean, if you don't have it, it's not like you can't function or still do well, but I just think the self-awareness allows allows for a more smooth and more enjoyable experience of life for you and yeah. for the people around you. And it just takes away a barrier to, you know, and a, and a sense of frustration when you re- when you realise why things are happening the way they are. That's right. And it helps you with the children. Oh, absolutely. Just like you have different team members with you and they have different traits, so do the children in your class. Just like, you know, we talk about learning styles and all that, but there's there's all that, you know, we're doing character traits at the moment. It's what's inside and it's often easy to look past that. Mm, yeah. Well, what would be your top tips, Katie, for early career teachers um, to set themselves up for thriving in the classroom and in life? Well, pretty much I'd say, first of all, other than know yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you're interested in all of that sort of stuff, you know, be kind to yourself and, and try however you can figure that out to be you, at least in some way. So obviously, like you said before, there's lots of things that we have to do, boxes that we have to tick. Mm. But even if that's just in the staff room, having a chat that's not about school with someone, one lunch break to give yourself a oh, break. Oh, for sure. You know, be really kind to you and don't be afraid to share who you are with your colleagues because our colleagues are who get us by, mm. you know. And often we've got little blocks at our school and so we'll sit together in our cohort and what do you do? You talk about the kids. And that's brilliant. We really need to do that too. But build in some times where you can talk about people as people as well, not just as teachers. Yeah. And I think that's even that's so important and even more important when you're socialising with, with other teachers outside of school because yeah. it's so common for teachers to be, you know, out getting a coffee together or out to dinner or whatever and all they do the whole time, and I've been there, you know, I'm absolutely classic example of it, like, and all you do is talk about school. Yeah. And it's just we've got to remind ourselves that there's life outside of school as well. Um, yeah. As you say, it's really important to have those times when you do talk about the kids and you do, you know, share information and whatever, but then connect on a more personal level as well. I really like that tip. And then people understand, like, I felt really guilty leaving school at 4 o'clock this afternoon Mm. because I'm with a really, really determined and really enthusiastic bunch of people this year and we all work hard. And I just thought, why am I feeling guilty? I've told myself for my self-care that I'm going to make sure I live in this beautiful house with this great view. I'm going to take my laptop and do it there Yes, where I get to see things and be part of another world, not just the four walls of my classroom. But I felt guilty and I thought I had to give them a reason. Oh, I've got an appointment. I'm thinking this is crazy. But if people know you, then you don't feel like all of that has to happen all the time. Or if you timetable in on these days, I'm just going to leave at this time. So you don't have to keep giving yourself a hard time. Exactly. And people get to expect it. They go, oh, yeah, we know, you know, Jim goes to, I don't know, 
cricket training on Tuesdays at 4.30. Like that's just what always happens. Yeah, so you're giving yourself a mind break. You know, you're just taking another thing off that you don't have to feel guilty for or feel time pressured for, all that sort of stuff. And probably linking to that, I would say that the online stimulus that teachers get now is brilliant in terms of we have all these Facebook groups, we have all these Instagram accounts of teachers sharing their their work. For an early career teacher, I definitely remember hours and hours at the Laminator and it was fun. I loved it. Yeah. But there are so many other things that we have to do just to get by as an early career teacher. Don't be overwhelmed by all the online stimulus because there's these picture-perfect Pinterest classrooms everywhere and I often sit there and watch and I think, oh, my gosh, how are these people that are just starting out feeling looking at that? I know. Because you're at the stage of everything you have to create yourself. You have to fund it and you're only just starting to get paid or all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, don't get overwhelmed. Take what you want from it but it's kind of like that how big is your pile again, you know. It doesn't have to be beautiful all the time. It can be children's work. It doesn't have to require hours of you and heaps of your money going into creating the environment. And obviously it works for primary because in high school, you know, you don't necessarily have the same home base. But, yeah, just be really mindful of that's Pinterest-worthy type stuff. Yours doesn't always, not every element has to be like that. And also that those, those, I mean, we know this, I think, when, we, when we're talking about a magazine, you know, like a fashion magazine or whatever, and we know that like, okay, well, that, that model might have been airbrushed. And so we kind of know in some of that traditional media to be a little bit more um, aware that it's, it's, it's not reality, you know. Um, but we just have to remind ourselves too that like people only post the highlights on social media. So even that Pinterest-worthy teacher um, you know, teacher, classroom, picture, whatever. Like it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the classroom looks like every day. <laughs> or, you know, she's not posting her credit card statement of <laughs> the money that that was spent to make the classroom look that way. Or the fact that like maybe that that whole account is like built up over years and years and years. It's not the first day on the first year of teaching that that's what happens. And that the you know, you can be effective without all of that too. That's right. And I love that all these people are making, they're getting their you fix, you know, themselves by creating these Instagram accounts and saying, this is what I do really well in my classroom. Like celebrate that. That is brilliant. But just try not to get overwhelmed by it. Exactly. Exactly. And also to know that like like I personally was not that teacher. (laughs) My classroom was often a mess and I was in a high school, but I did have my own home base because I was a high school, uh, because I was a music teacher. So I had the music room and there were often piles of paper all over the place. (laughs) Like that was just not like my room and my life is just never that pretty um, because I'm just not naturally that way inclined and that that's okay too. Exactly right. It doesn't mean you're ineffective. I mean, I did try and clean up as best I could, but. Some days, you know, there's just going to be a pile of paper there. <laughs> yeah, some years you get forced to move classrooms just to have a clear out. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Or, hey, the painters are coming on the school holidays. We've got to move everything out of the storeroom and it just gets dumped in the classroom and sort of takes a long time to go back in after the holidays. <laughs> also remember that this stuff, when you move schools, like I've done three times in the last three years, 
or you change your levels, it's got to come home. And if you're someone that doesn't like that clutter and it clutters your mind, then remember it's all going to come yeah. home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where are you going to put it? Yeah. Mm, yeah, definitely. Well, I guess my probably my last tip would be because we're all focusing on ourselves and we all need boosts every time, every part of the day as well, just to keep going, just to get or just to say, wow, that was an awesome lesson, all that. I actually make an effort to say, for example, on my computer, we have to log in all the time. You know, it times out even through lessons. So you're putting in this password all the time. I try and make my little affirmations for myself. So how many times a day am I typing in, you're awesome, like, you know, 18. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So pick something that like my self-care tips would be, that that's embedded in your day it doesn't have to be a stop and do type of thing I kind of yeah I try and find moments in time to give myself those affirmations to keep going just like I then try and share things with other teachers in my cohort or that I see often to try and just not forget not forget about yourself and then also remember that others might be going through something similar or having their ups and downs as well so I just try and keep it part of my everyday that's really good I really like that um and it's such a good tip that like making your password a positive word or an affirmation or whatever because you're right we do type it in over and over and over yeah yep I'm yeah I just am so grateful this year that that's there you know mm-hmm. so it it really does. If you tuned into listening to that sort of stuff and you've got a little mantra or something, it's like that whole fake it till you make it or that placebo effect. Even if you're not feeling like that, if you're saying it or typing it in, some it's working somehow. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know if you wanted to point this out as an explicit tip, but I've noticed that you've used the word grateful quite a lot of time in this interview. Um, and, I mean, there is just science to back up the positive impacts of a gratefulness practice and it just it's really really powerful is that something that's part of your life and that you would recommend to other teachers oh yeah so I have a couple of books that I use as little prompts because I like to write I like to do all the colored pens all that sort of stuff so each afternoon or night and I actually save it until my partner's home because he's never been one to think like Mm. that And so I actually found it really amazing and really interesting how if I said, what did you learn today? What are you grateful for? Um, What made you happy today? And what do you want to do tomorrow? Sometimes it's really hard for people to think like that, but it can be the smallest thing. What are you grateful for? Oh, my coffee was hot when I drank it today, finally. Or what did you learn today? I learned that it was hard, but I made it through. Like it, it can be the most tiniest little thing. But it, it's still, it's still, you're grateful for it. So why not say it out loud? And yeah, it's a really lovely way for me to connect too with the other people in my life that aren't teachers that might have to listen to all my stories, but don't quite understand. But it's, yeah, I just, I explicitly just sort of go through that routine and I don't do it every day. Some days I forget, but I think now that I did it in that written form, it's part of, even if I'm not saying it out loud or having a conversation or writing it down, I'm sort of thinking it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't know if you've experienced this because my partner and I do that as well. Um, and it feels really kind of naff when you first start doing it together. Like, yeah, definitely. It feels really like, 
oh my god like oh we have to do this funny activity and it's just like it feels kind of silly but if you can kind of get over that it's really really good i think for your relationship as well um but it's just good for your mental health and it's a it's a muscle you can build it up to be noticing even in the worst day there'll be something good that happened as you said my coffee was hot or I drank my coffee while it was hot, <laughs> didn't leave it sitting yeah. on the table and then come back to it in two hours and went, oh, yeah, that's right, I had a coffee. Um, whatever it is, that you can find something and it's really good. It's a really good practice. Yeah, and it's like what I teach the children about growth mindset and all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, we can learn to do all these things and it does take practice and perseverance and you can't just do it once not put in any effort and expect it to be there. So regardless of what your practice is that you choose, persist. Keep on going even if you get eye rolls. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Keep on going even if you get eye rolls. And I think that that applies in the classroom on a normal day and just in life. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Oh, well, thank you so much, Katie. Is there somewhere that you would like people to get, connect with you online? Because I know you have some, some ideas about working with kids on their well-being. Yes, I've got lots of things in the works. So my formal online footprint isn't exactly live yet, but if anyone wants to write it down, I'm starting a little coaching business called See Me, Know Me, Teach Me. And my goal behind that is that every single child that I have ever come in contact with, regardless of their background, regardless of their support network, sometimes needs a little bit of a boost, whether it's in their confidence, whether it's in their organizational skills, their resilience, how they get along with others, all those foundational things that happen before we can be in the right place to learn. I want to be able to support support every child in that. So there's a lot of things that you can access through specialists, you know, to help with that. But I'm a teacher. I'm not I'm nothing more but I have on the ground experience and I just want to be able to provide a coaching service to people to support children in their home lives or the process of doing homework mm. or how to better make friendships, all of that. So it's all in the works. So yeah, write it down and we'll be I'll there I'll include <laughs> a um, link in the show notes. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much, Katie. This has been wonderful. Thank you. It's been excellent. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there.